We start a new series today, started it in the morning already, titled Crazy Love, an analysis of relationships from a biblical point of view. My hope is that you are, if you are single, by the end of this series, at the end of August, you will be single and happy. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. No, that's a trick. I pray that if you are in God's best, you will celebrate it. And if you are not, you will change it. Can you say amen to that? I also want to acknowledge Pastor Israel, who is uh, our, our pastor in Cape Town, who's here with a crew in the front there. Uh, nice to have you guys with us. Uh, some here as part of College Intensive. Uh, taking place over the whole long weekend. First time we tried that out, a whole long weekend of Bible study. Friday night, Saturday, uh, Monday, and Tuesday till about midday, then we graduate. It's been amazing. You totally should sign up for it next year. In fact, sign up for it this year for next year. In fact, do nothing else but sign up for College Intensive tonight. So I, I want to encourage and celebrate that. I also want to acknowledge uh, Women's Day on Tuesday. Uh, is it Tuesday? It is Tuesday, right? Uh, ladies, uh, we owe you our very breath. So thank you. Yeah. And, um, and cheer you on. Um, the conversation I'm going to have tonight has has of part one to it uh, in the morning service, although each message is totally going to be on its own, I, w- I would recommend putting yourself through the torture of listening to the messages you don't come to. Just go to YouTube, like and subscribe our channel, and then have a listen. I think it'll be very helpful. You might wonder whether a, a relationship conversation is really not just sort of a TED Talk type advice and whether it really has its roots substantially and adequately enough in Scripture. But I think it's important for us to remember that when Christ changed our relationship with Him, the upward relationship, He also changed our relationship with our world, the outward relationship. God changes our lives not only eternally, but also practically and presently, if there is such a word. And I think that's really important. I know lots of Christians who are definitely saved. And in their spirit, they know how to rejoice in the Lord. But their relationships are torture. They date the wrong people, are the wrong people in a date. Don't have good relationships with family or friends. No one wants to work with them. Everybody blue ticks them. Most people avoid them. And that shouldn't be like that. That's surely not a blessed life. I feel like it's really loud from somewhere else. Could, could you guys just, have you texted? I feel like other rooms are echoing. Or it's the voices. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So Crazy Love, that is the title of the series. And I'll show you how I got to that title in, the mo- in a moment, Crazy Love. Um, but to set this up, years ago, and this person is not in the room here, I don't think, I hope. Um, years ago, a friend of mine, was in a really tumultuous, torturous relationship. It was one of those relationships where she was reluctant to be in the relationship to begin with and really wasn't into going to church either. So he did what many of my friends do. He dragged them to me in the hopes that I had a magic potion. I'd be able to snap my fingers, pray a prayer, cast out a demon, and they'd just snap into saints. And it didn't really work. 
It was years of just tension. There was snide remarks and it was always awkward being in their company. And there was that sense of at any moment now, the great volcano will explode and you will be caught in the lava flow. And it was always uncomfortable. One day he phoned me and said, we've broken up. Secretly, I rejoiced. Maybe not so secretly. I think under my breath, I said, praise the Lord. I didn't think that was such a great idea. But it's part B that really troubled me. And then I'll take you to the scripture that will guide you through it. About a year later, he told me he'd met someone else. I was thrilled. He was one of those people who doesn't do well single. You know, some people just are awkward when they're single. You get the feeling that they're on the hunt the whole time. You can't have any conversation with them because you're scared that they'll aim at you. Just a casual, would you like a coffee, turns into a complicated and emotional analysis about your future. There's a lot of things going on in the room right now. I just want you to know. He said, I would love for you to meet this lady. And I said, that sounds wonderful. I rejoice in the Lord at your future. So we met. And I felt the air leave my lungs. It wasn't the same person. It was the same type. He had a type. We're not physical. He had an emotional type. She was as rude as the other one. She was as offish as the other one. She was as disinterested in God as the other one. I realized he likes finding wounded wings. It's his type. It's not her fault that she's that type. It's his fault that he has an unhealthy attraction to a type that is not good for him. And I realized a lot of the decisions we make is not about judging how other people are. It's about exploring who we are. So this conversation about relationships is not about you going home or to your friend or in the car on the way home and saying to your partner, listen, I'm really sorry, George is right. You're the wrong person for me. Please don't do that. Because five years ago I did this series and I almost got beaten up. So please don't, please don't do that. Because somebody went to their, their engagement, their, their fiancé and said, exactly what I just, George is right. You're the wrong person for me. And then they waited for me at my house that night. Then I did do lots of explaining. Please don't do that. But I, I want you to know what your language should be is the Bible is right. I'm the wrong person for. So this is never going to be a judgmental thing. I think we must be very careful. I mean, Christianity has done enough judgmentalism in the last 2,000 years to last us another 1,000. So let's give it a rest. Eh? And come with love to approach a topic like that. I titled this Crazy Love because it's actually a verse in the message translation that I quite enjoyed. And it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And tonight, my topic of conversation, I have seven types of relationships I want to analyze from the Bible. And tonight's one uh, you'll discover in a moment is about counterfeit relationships or catfish relationships. How many of you watched that whole catfish Catfish show. How many of you have watched it? How many of you thought you might be on an episode? Okay, do it. put your hand down. Put your hand down. So for those of you who aren't up to date on the whole catfish thing from 2008, it's, um, it's a show where people create fake profiles and they start romancing someone online and then actually like two totally different people, the profile online and the real person are not the same, created a fake profile. So 
Maybe that kind of terminology will help us a little later. Second Corinthians 5 from the message uh, says this. Oh, wait, you're right, production. Uh, you were right. I apologize. I, we created an email address to invite you to ask your relationship-related questions that we'll try and answer from the Bible. And you can ask anything you like. You can even ask wink, wink for a friend. We'll pretend you're asking hashtag for a friend. Uh, the email address is crazylove at fathershousesa.org. Send us your stuff. Uh, please, please don't be crazy on the email. Just ask a thing and I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, the title comes from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 from the message. It says, we just thought it would make you feel good, proud even, that we're actually on your side, not just nice to your face as so many people are. And he goes on, Paul, to say, if I acted crazy, I did it for God. And if I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Can you say amen to that? This verse suggests that our affection for God and one another should be at crazy levels of extreme. Not crazy levels of weirdness. I just want to caution the saints because we, we do have a tendency to be a bit weird. And we, we shouldn't be. We should be crazy in affection. In when you, you forgive people, forgive people a crazy amount of time. When you care for people, care for people a crazy level of care. When you're affectionate towards someone and want to carry somebody's burdens, do it at an unreasonable level. Let the Bible be true that says if somebody asks you to walk one mile, walk another. It's that kind of conversation, I think, is worth having. Second Corinthians chapter 13, it's not the love chapter, that's 1 Corinthians 13. Second Corinthians 13 says, test and evaluate yourself to see whether you're in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves, not me, Paul inserts there, or uh, do you not recognize uh, this about yourselves uh, by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? You should know this, he says. Unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. There's that word, counterfeit. And I want to talk to you uh, t tonight about avoiding counterfeit, counterfeit relationships and how to recognize them. There's a, a significant power in this because there were people who were fake even in the Bible. There were people who were fake even in Bible times. And I'm not suggesting you are, but I'm suggesting you might find someone one day. And you might want to make sure that you're never in a relationship that's actually not legit. And one of the great tests of life is, is it real? When somebody says, I love you, is that real? When somebody says, I believe in Jesus, is it real? And when somebody stands at the altar and says, in sickness or in health, is it real? I sometimes feel like adding a few more extra things into those wedding vows. I feel like even sickness and health, richer or poorer, doesn't cover it. Because I think sometimes people are not always at their best and your love must go past best and worst and grumpy and a lot of amens from the ones. Grumpy and happy. There's got to be a legitimate commitment toward one another. The Bible teaches us that our relationship with Christ should translate into a powerful relationship 
for one another. In fact, one of the miracles about churches and our church is especially an example, I feel of that, is that because we love Christ, we can look around and love people who are completely different to us, come from different backgrounds, different age groups, and different racial or tribal backgrounds. We can worship together in one room and genuinely say of one another, I love that you're family of mine. That is a consequence of the cross. There's no other place in all the world that achieves that as much as and as decisively as the cross of Jesus Christ does. We are family, irrespective of the context of your background. Can you say amen? Can you say amen to that? The struggle my friend I used as an example earlier uh, has is that there is something inside of him that is attracted to a certain type of person. Every one of us here has a type in our hearts, not just a relationship type for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, not just that, but we have a type that we admire. I'll bet if I looked at your Instagram follows, I'd know quite a lot about you. Do you know that, what's that metaverse, meta something? They say that in about 15 clicks of your mouse, they can tell what type of person you are. Because you represent that you admire certain kinds of people. I have to admit, every now and then I go through my IG account and I unfollow people that I have started to admire and follow that maybe I shouldn't. Not you. I mean like maybe those guys who say they make millions on Bitcoin. Or those guys who flex with their Louis Vuitton uh, uh, bags. Or maybe those uh, uh, gymmers. Uh, that are super fit. You know, recently I unnecessarily followed too many people whose profile said fittest at 50. <laughs> I realized it's saying so, I'm saying something about myself when I follow that. I'm saying I don't feel it, so I better go find it. And without us knowing it, but testing yourself, the scripture of testing yourself is designed to help us understand that it's not the other person who's to blame. It's the thing that is the attraction in us that is to blame. So the fundamental, there's one power idea, and then we'll unpack it in three ways. One power idea in recognizing how to overcome a counterfeit relationship. Just one power idea. And it is not whether you're going to catch the other person in being fake. It is this idea. Does that person make you feel fake? If I have to be fake to play your game, then we're in a counterfeit relationship. It really doesn't matter whether the other person is this or that. Don't judge. But when I look in my own heart and I think, if I have to perform a certain way that is uncomfortable for me in order to keep this person or situation or friend pleased, I am in a counterfeit relationship. The test is not them. The test is me. I've been in this so many times before. I've had environments like, not, not boyfriend, girlfriend only. Like those, aren't the only, like those aren't the only relationships in the world, right? There are friendships. There are business relationships. There are church relationships. I've had it in church relationships. I'll give you a few church relationship examples where I've really, it's bothered me in the past and I've learned I'm now fit at 50. And I now know how to walk away from them. But there are some people that are, they're extra. Am I allowed to say that? They're just extra. Like they're Christian but they're, and they're lovely people, but they're extra. They'll be walking in the supermarket 
I'll be walking alongside them. Oh, I felt the demonic something. When you walk past like a, like a soap shop, like, dude, did you feel the spirit of sage? Don't laugh, you've met people like this. Or when they pray grace over the meal. It's a dissertation of a book in the Bible. Oh Lord, we come to you, Lord. And thank you that we can come to you, Lord. And there are others that cannot come to you, Lord, but we can come to you, Lord. Like this meal's gonna need to be reheated. So what happens is when I know I'm in a counterfeit relationship, all of a sudden I, who am comfortable with, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your blessings over our lives. We honour you today, amen. Now I suddenly start going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Indeed, Lord. And then when they wrap up, I add a bit. I add a little bit. And Lord, not forgetting. I'm like, who am I? I am being so fake right now because I'm in a counterfeit engagement reaction with somebody else that isn't working for me. You've got to watch yourself that you are authentic. And if you're in a relationship where you can't be, of any kind, where you can't be comfortable with your authenticity, you've got to question whether that relationship is not provoking a counterfeit spirit in you. <laughs> provoking a counterfeit spirit in you. It happens in the simplest of ways. You're a believer, but you engage in a relationship with someone that isn't. And now you're hiding the seriousness of your spiritual journey because you are adjusting your comfort level to cooperate with somebody else's comfort level. You're entering into a counterfeit spirit. Somebody's going to call you a fake. And you didn't mean it. But what you're doing is you're adjusting your own comfort levels, the level of your peace, to accommodate and keep somebody else in a relationship. That's awful. That's awful. And that's not something you should be doing. That's something you should walk away from. You should have relationships in church, in personal life, in business, in every environment where you can say to yourself, I can be myself here. Yeah. The best kind, you know, when I walk into somebody's house, I can feel it straight away. If I walk into somebody's house, I can quickly work out, would it be okay if I took my shoes off and sat down here? Or do I have to be a little bit proper? I can tell. Am I comfortable? Are these my people? Is this my way or not? Nothing wrong with them. I'm just working out what's in me. And I'm staying true to what is in me. I'll give you another example. I personally, this is going to disappoint you. It's going to disappoint you. I'm sorry. Because sort of like somebody, Jesus is calling somebody. <laughs> Either that or it's like you have to get your protein shake in or you've got to do your like whatever has got to happen right now. Um, was, was that Luke Jones's phone that actually rang? Oh, that is frightening. I spent a whole afternoon discipling you and here you come, you interrupt the house of the Lord. Um, I'll give you another example. Uh, I personally speak in tongues. I enjoy speaking in tongues. I don't do it often. But every now and then, the circumstances call the biblical idea of speaking. They're not Greek. I can't speak in Greek, but actually the speaking in tongues is a gift thing. But there are some saints, oh my goodness, extra. Extra. It's just the coffee is a little colder than it should be. Just stop. You're, you're creeping me out. You're very creepy. Now there's another group of people who are going to stand in agreement. Yes, out cold demon. Those are your people. But if you've got to adjust who you are in order to engage in a relationship to the point of your discomfort, you are entering a counterfeit spirit.
it's not healthy. Do you know there's an example in the Bible I want to take you to? And I think we're going to really enjoy this topic. This, whenever I do this topic, uh, we do it every couple of years, two or three years. Uh, it's the kind of topic you can bring your friends to because every now and then people will email me something that they think is like a gotcha question. Like, what about, you know, what about divorce, you know, or some uh, topic they feel is very dramatic. Most of the topics have been emailed to me at some point. Uh, so it would be great if you wanted to engage on it. But there's an example of a counter-spirit in the Bible, and uh, it's one of the most radical verses in the Bible. So let me just warn you, at the end of the story in the Bible, um, in a church service in the book of Acts, uh, it's so dramatic that two people died. So I, can I just put it out there? Like, It's not going to happen again or here, but two people died in the telling of the story. So I'm just like, spoiler alert. So what happens is, it's in Acts chapter 5, and it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, some of the saints will know what this is all about straight away. So here's the story. I, I don't quite have the, well, let me read it. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold. Uh, can I ask you to repeat just one word there out loud? I know it's super cheesy, but it's going to help you. Would you repeat the word also? Also, yeah, that's very important. You'll see why now. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Uh, and um, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it into the, at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before you, it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. No, this is not a giving message. I thought our giving message star tonight did a great job. First time up. Awesome, awesome job. No, this passage of Scripture isn't about the money. Let me contextualize it for you. you remember I asked you to say the word also. That's because in Acts chapter 4, a Greek guy called Barnabas also sold a field because they told him there's some people in the church who've got serious needs and he, a Cypriot Greek from the island of Cyprus, where I am from, sold a field, came to the disciples and said, do me a favor, let's help these people. Barnabas later is to be known in the scripture as son of encouragement and literally goes with Paul all over the world encouraging people. That's, he's never preached the message, but he just encouraged and loved and cared for people. So Ananias and Sapphira saw this and they thought, hey, Barnabas has done a good thing. Maybe we can also be popular. So here's what we'll do. So, so you need a bit of history in this. So Barnabas, uh, uh, so Ananias uh, says to his wife, let's also sell a field. But what we'll do, we'll tell all the buyers we're doing this for God. Give us your best price because we're going to help the church. So that's what happened. Every time somebody was going to come and buy, they said, don't, don't, don't negotiate me because this is God's money. This Give us your best price. And they took the best price having promised people, this is all God's stuff. We're doing this for God. But when the day came to honor that commitment, they kept the extra and just gave a little bit. And they kept the extra themselves because they said to themselves, no one will know how much I actually got. But because they said they did it for God, 
they were lying to the Holy Spirit. And people, just imagine if somebody comes to you, let's say you go to the pancakes after the service. There are pancakes, right? Cameron? No pancakes. Thank you. That was unhelpful. Imagine, imagine you, by a stroke of genius, come to the morning service and there are pancakes. Cameron? Thank you. So hard to keep up with this crowd. Uh, and there are pancakes. And Cameron says, listen, man, they are five rand, 10 rand, 15 rand a pancake. But it's for youth, you know. We're going to take the young adults. We're going to take them to Alpha. We're going to take them on camp, whatever. And I say, oh, that's very nice. Give me two pancakes. I'll give you 100 rand. Keep it. <laughs> now I'm in now. With such witnesses and the threat of death hanging over my head from Acts chapter 5. But then what I do is I say to Cameron, listen, uh, 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 here's a hundred bucks. Keep it, keep the change. Give me the two uh, pancakes. Give them out. And Cameron thinks to himself, well, when they do stock take, all they need is 15 rand for every pancake. I'll keep the rest. And I'll go to Crave Burger. I'll get me a burger. He would never do that. He would never, because he would go to KFC. But, (laughs) sorry, I'm sorry. I take that back. That was not kind. (laughs) I just lost several friends now uh, from that awful example. But but here's, so now he comes again. So he comes to church, to a meeting, and a prophet is there. And the prophet says, hey, what happened to the rest of God's money? What? Because you have lied to the Holy Spirit. That's the context of that story. It just seems so dramatic if you don't have the context, right? And unfortunately or fortunately, Paul was, uh, 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 the, the apostles rather, were so irritated, they said that, I think you must just go straight to Jesus and resolve it there. Doof, and the guy died. And then he had to go home and discuss it with Jesus in person. Then his wife came and said, where's your husband? And then the apostle said, oh, we're going to take you there also. And so she also died. And they both, it's very dramatic. Okay? It's very it's very dramatic, but it genuinely is in the Bible. And the fact that you are laughing makes me wonder if you've ever read the book of Acts. Because you are out of date concerning the book of Acts. The, the point was that they had intended something but deceived people on their intentions. Relationships should never be hard work. If they are going to be hard work in the sense that you have to f- put on a facade to be in that relationship, I think it's unhealthy. And I'm certain it is unbiblical. I'm certain it is unbiblical. Paul, in fact, or rather Jesus, confronted that kind of spirit, the counterfeit spirit, even amongst his own disciples. From time to time, his own disciples, just the circle of 12, would start to behave badly. And Jesus would have to address the risk of their behaving badly. Two brothers acted like they were in charge of all of them. Judas Iscariot, constantly interfering because of the budget. It wasn't a new thing. Judas Iscariot didn't have a money, what's the word, type. He was, his type was he needed money. Because when they broke the oil uh, perfume on Jesus' feet, it was Judas Iscariot who said, we could have sold that and I could have kept the money. I mean, we could have used the money for the poor. He was disappointed that something happened of a transaction that didn't go through his hands because in his mind, everything's got to go through his hands. 
That's a very creepy action, actually. I won't do it again. <laughs> and because he had that, he had that tendency in his heart, he found himself constantly in conflict with generous people. He was angry with generous people all the time because he was a stingy person and stingy people couldn't handle being around generous people. I want to encourage you tonight concerning this um, desire to live lives that are authentic and genuine and free from counterfeit. I want to encourage you on how to go about doing that. There are three simple ideas I want to leave you with uh, tonight. And I'm very sorry that I brought her pancakes and there aren't any for you to eat. But I'm confident that the Red Band coffee shop has a brownie or two left. There's a competition going on between the Red Band counter and the, and the uh, thingy counter. The, um, and also not forgetting my very favorite dessert, which must surely be the lemon meringue from Seattle. Uh, but I'm worried that there aren't any left. I looked and I don't think there were. Uh, but that lemon meringue is just, is just uh, um, there is a desire in my heart for that tin of condensed milk that's there. So three things I want to encourage you concerning avoiding a counterfeit spirit and being in counterfeit relationships. Number one, you, you, you have to recognize that every relationship requires foundation. And in order for you to have a good foundation, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. But you know, people don't like doing the work. Doing the work literally means building bit by bit your value system in every relationship. For example, when something goes out of hand, early on say, that made me uncomfortable. Don't wait five years. Do you know, I've literally stopped pastors sometimes. Pastors, because they're my friends and all. But they lay hands on me, start speaking in tongues, I'm going to prophesy when I'm going to get married. I take their hands off my head and I tell them to calm down. If they want to lay hands on anybody, lay hands on somebody else, I'm fine. Please don't make a scene. Because it used to happen, I used to get so embarrassed. I'd be in the middle of the shops and the apostle will come running. Pastor George, I'm glad I found you. The Lord put it in my heart, brother. By December, you're going to be married, brother. And all I just want to, I just want to buy, I just want to buy some ingredients and they hucking eight. And you know what? I used to leave it, but now you know what I do? I say, thank you so much. Would you just pray about that in your personal prayer time? Don't make a scene here. It's awkward for me. You're being extra. And if you, if you don't lay those things down early, it's going to be a problem. If you're in a relationship and somebody doesn't know how to handle money and they go buy shoes for 10,000 rand or five or two and a half, Birkenstocks, whatever, and you're in a relationship and that violates the agreement of a relationship, you don't let it simmer. You do the work. You say, that action made me uncomfortable because it violated the authenticity of our relationship and I feel deceived. You have to do the work. And when you're in a relationship and someone says, yes, I'll go to church with you. I don't mind if you're a Christian and I'm not. Oh, no, that happens every day. I don't mind. But then suddenly you've got to do the work. You've got to say, okay, cool. Let's go Sunday, 6 p.m. If they say it's a bit too loud, let's go again, 6 p.m. You'll get used to it. But what people do, they don't do the work, they avoid it. They avoid it, they avoid it, they duck, they dive. And while you're ducking and diving, you're entering into a counterfeit spirit, you see, because you are now reacting to the authenticity that you had in order to make somebody else feel comfortable. 
You've got to do the work. The book of Jude, it's only one chapter, but the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 20 says, but you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right in the center of God's love, keeping your eyes, I beg upon your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, uh, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. This idea of building up bit by bit. I sometimes think the way we build our lives, it's kind of obvious where it's going to end. It's either going to end well or it's going to end awkwardly. Do the work, build properly. Can you say amen? Settle matters early. If something makes you uncomfortable, if you set a boundary and you say, this is our boundary on physical relationship and this is our boundary on spiritual relationship and this is our boundary on financial relationship, etc., and it gets violated, raise it. Do the work. If the relationship is worth it, you'll grow. If it's not, rather end it sooner. Rather end it sooner. Because I can't tell you how many people are carrying around corpses they think are their date. Wait, that was, it was a bit, it's a bit over the top, eh? It's that second double shot kicking in now, and I'm become unreasonable. The second thing is do the sums. Romans 13 says, love other people as well as uh, you do yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. Do the sums. Here's what I mean by that. Most people, many people, allow or tolerate things not because they unreasonably love someone else. It's because they don't reasonably love themselves. You are willing to be abused because you don't consider yourself very highly anyway. Do you know why most people get into addictions? They get into addictions because they can't stand their own company. So to substitute the silence of their own company, they replace it with addictions like pornography or gaming or, or negative activity. The hook there is not the fact that it's available. The hook there is the fact that you're available. I want to challenge you to do the sums. Add it up and then go, that is not worth it. I want to be in victory. And then the, the last thing I want to encourage you on is the idea of doing no harm. Romans 13 says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in the one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's the description. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. One of the most challenging things about a counterfeit spirit when it arises is this. Not only should you confront it when it arises, but the most loving thing you can do is set people free from not having to perform in order to be in relationship with one another. It is unkind to keep an unhealthy relationship going. It's unkind. I used to say this, I will wrap up now. I used to say this um, about relationships when I was a student pastor, and that was decades ago. But when I was a student pastor at NMU and I lived on campus for 10 years in the res there, Xanadu, and I pastored and preached there, people always used to ask me, how far can you go physically or emotionally in a relationship with somebody you're not married to? Is the Bible not perhaps a little outdated on some of those topics? 
And in the modern world, it's more acceptable and understandable that one explores more. My answer is still the same as it was decades ago because the Bible is still the same as it was decades ago and it's still going to be the same in decades to come. My answer was this. Whatever you do with somebody you don't marry, you do to somebody else's wife. Do no harm. If I'm in a relationship with someone and it's not the one, I ought to have done no harm to their one. That is true love. That's true love. That's to do no harm. I want to encourage you tonight. Think about how you want to engage, not only in our upward relationship with God, and I'm deeply grateful that I'm saved, but in my outward relationship with one another, in my outward relationship with money, my outward relationship with my career, and in my outward relationship with myself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And perhaps the key punchline for tonight is that my inability to love well there is because I'm struggling with my love of self in a healthy biblical way. I'm not angry with other people being counterfeit. I'm angry that other people make me a counterfeit and allow me to tolerate, accept, or behave in a way that is not natural to me, just for the affirmation, acceptance, and affection of somebody else. I'm worth more than that as God's child. And I really want to encourage you, let's be determined to build healthy, do the work, and do no harm. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand and pray. I, I you know, uh, it's tempting. This is one of the reasons why we're not really broadcasting the evening. It's tempting for me to say, how many of you feel like you need prayer for this? The problem is, like, I don't want a spirit of suspicion in the church, you know? I don't want people coming forward and like a whole bunch of you going, yeah, I always knew they were. That, uh. <laughs> Look, I don't want a spirit of suspicion, you know? Um, but but I, I do think there must be a, a genuine affection and a space for people to be free, you know? So maybe just to reiterate the invitation that if you would like to come after the service and hang around and and ask for prayer, that's okay. Or maybe you go home tonight and um, you ask for prayer and it bothers you and, and you, you pray at home rather. And you come next week just like to, to um, confuse the saints about which topic you're coming forward to. Come, you know, it's like, oh, you don't know which one I'm here for. Um, do it. But, but I w- what I wouldn't like you to be is burdened by a counterfeit spirit and then not know how to get out. I'd love to be able to pray for you for that. So, Lord, thank you today that truth triumphs over over lies. Thank you, Lord, that the truth sets us free and that our instruction in Scripture is to discover our biblically authentic self, not to go around questioning whether other people are. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us that when environments, resources like money, careers, friendships, and partners Turn us into people we're not meant to be, to honestly face that reality and act wisely, maturely, and decisively in the name of Jesus. I thank you also, Lord, that we can have confidence that as you have wired us, so you have prepared another for us.
Thank you, Lord, that you've prepared community for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've prepared a path for us, that you've designed a life for us, and it'll fit perfectly. And we could be authentic within it while under the authority of Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, one last shout of praise, thanksgiving and worship.